Hey, what's up? It's The Drive with Tim Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. The sun is out. Kyle Tosk is back. We have an Illini win to talk about. An explosive offensive outing. Fun game last night at the State Farm Center. 105-97 to over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Illinois improves to 21-7 on the year. And, uh, man, they're lighting it up offensively. You look over the last month, month and a half, really going back to bragging rights, the number one offense in the country. As far as the metrics, I know defensively need to pick some things up. Uh, and on that note, we will pick Luke Goody's brain on both the, the good with the offense, what he sees defensively that can be cleaned up. Uh, I will mention, though, number one, some great sponsors making this thing happen, as they do every week. The Luke Goody segment, I can't talk, is brought to you by Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend, First Federal Savings Bank, local and trusted, and by Max Twin City Recycling. Luke Goody joining us on the Tapman's Towing phone line. How we doing, my friend? I'm good, good. You? Doing well. I, the second thing I wanted to mention is you'll notice Lante did not live up to not missing another one of your segments. He texted us. He's in Florida right now. Right before we wow. walked in, he uh, sent a picture of the waves coming in on the beach. So, um, okay. your reaction? Uh, jealous. Very jealous. Yes, yes. Yeah. I can I can let him pass for that one. I would uh, enjoy a trip to Florida right now. Okay, if if you guys were on, on the team side, say you missed missed a, a team organized event or something, what, what would the punishment be for like that? You know, what would what would Brad have you do? Uh, you'd probably kick off the team if you wanted uh, to go to Florida. Yeah, uh, I think that you know would be probably the the main uh, <laughs> the main punishment. But if not, you would have to run a lot. So we might have to. Uh, Make line run some twenty twos and down the back when yeah. he gets back. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. Yeah, uh, you guys have been running up and down the court offensively. One hundred and five points last night, Luke. That's the most that Illinois scored in, in regulation in a Big Ten game in thirty years. You have to go all the way back to ninety four when that squad put. I mean, you weren't even born then. Uh, put up one hundred and five against Iowa. I mean, I was I was three four years old. So. Uh, I know that, as I mentioned, and, and you've been aware of this, that you guys have been in a very elite company offensively for the large portion of the season. I know that Ken Palm right now says you're third in the country in offensive efficiency over the last two months, really. You're number one, you know, putting it up as far as efficiency better than anybody at the offensive end. So let's start on the positive note. What's what's working so well offensively, and what do you guys feel like you're building to where you know you guys can score with anybody? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just picking on matchups, uh, being able to get the switches we want. Ever since, I think, the Florida-Atlanta game and Tennessee games, uh, we've really been able to find mismatches that we like and get those guys downhill. Uh, having Terrence back definitely helps, uh, so that's a big thing. But it's pretty interesting because at the beginning of the year, like the first 10 games, it was like completely flipped. We were like 78 on offense and like six on defense or something crazy. So, um, you know, our offense kind of just figured its stuff out and the defense, uh, you know, when you get back to what we, what we were doing before. Coleman's a guy that has really bounced back well after the Penn State game. He had a career high 30 against Iowa, 20 last night. Not only shooting the three, which I know during big 10 plays around 40%, or so, but doing some more off the dribble too, and, and didn't have a turnover last night. So, uh, what have you seen out of your buddy Coleman? Just as far as his his response to a, a tough outing in state college, but also some of that off the dribble game. Yeah, I think it's just confidence. It all comes down to confidence. You know, a lot of the, you know, after the Penn State game, he was getting a lot of hate and stuff like that. And 
you know, especially after the Maryland thing and, and all that. But, uh, you know, for him to bounce back like that, um, you know, knock down shots and keep doing what he's doing, it's, uh, it gives him his confidence back, and he's capable to do that. I think it's easier for him because he has these five men guarding him that aren't used to guarding out on the perimeter. Uh, you know, they're used to being in the paint and guarding, guarding bigs every game, and he's just an unorthodox big in this league. So being able to stretch the floor and get downhill on these bigs is something that's been good for him. Marcus Damas was huge in the second half. I think he only missed one shot after halftime. You guys have an NIL shirt coming out together, right, by the way? Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's actually out right now. So, uh, you know, limited release, me and Marcus, go go get it. A lot of people mess us up on uh, – a lot of the announcers, like, mess us up, and even coaching film sometimes will, like, yell at me when it's Marcus that <laughs> messed up or around. So we decided to come out with a, uh, a little twin shirt, yeah. I like it, a little twin stepbrothers action. I like it. Uh, yeah. With him, in terms of what he did in the second half, I, I know it's it's been something he's been doing all year. Like you said, matchups and, and playing in the booty ball action, the turnaround jumper has been, been pretty silky and had some assists as well. So how big was he in that second half? Yeah, he was huge. You know, he gets a lot of opportunities. We run a lot of the offense for him. So uh, putting him in positions to score is big. You know, he definitely takes advantage of it. So uh, credit to him. You know, he's really good in the paint, uh, out on the perimeter, and he's one of those guys that we chase chase matchups for. So being able to hit, get him matched up against, you know, Mark Mitchell, that's you know six one, six two, or in Eliza Hawkins, that's five five nine, five ten. It's, it's big time for Marcus, and he's able to attack those attack those guys and. You know, it's it's hard to guard him because then you put Dawson Garcia on him and he just takes it to the basket. So that's kind of the uh, um, the good things about having Marcus as an offensive player with us. I do want to ask you, too, uh, on the note of offense, although I, I feel like this guy competed well at the defensive end, too. Dane Danger last two games has come on and, and, and given you guys some good minutes, 11 points off the bench, four of five, six rebounds. I feel like his activities picked up defensively, too. Uh, obviously someone that was – a bigger part of the rotation last year, this year has, has kind of struggled to get consistent minutes, but it, it's probably a good time of year to get the best version of Dane that you've seen, right? Yeah, he's been huge. Uh, you know, what's what's common about the, the teams that we played recently is they all have four men that basically are big. Uh, you know, in Iowa with Crickey, he's, he's the majority in the, in the paint, and, uh, you know, Dawson Garcia is a really good three-level scorer, but um, he gets the majority of his points in the paint as well, so being able to play Dane at the five a little bit and, uh, you know, have Coleman in there at the forward, you know, going those bigger guys has definitely been good in these last couple of games. And, uh, you know, getting him confidence again, getting him going, I think is big for our team in the postseason. Lou Goody joining us on the Tapman's Towing phone line, coming off a 105-97 win over Minnesota last night at the State Farm Center. 97's a lot to, to give up to. Just the back-and-forth nature of that game, what was that like taking in and, and just seeing what Minnesota was doing. Credit to them. I mean, Dawson Garcia is a really good player. He's a McDonald's All-American coming out of high school, and uh, th their guys made shots. Cam Christie, Mike Mitchell. How much do you think, as far as their scoring, was was them just having a night? And then also, on the flip side, maybe you guys not doing enough to, to make it tough. Yeah, I mean, Cam Christie's good. He's a really good player. Uh, he's definitely, you know, his brother was a good player in this league, too, but he's he's definitely, you know, I would say having a better season than his brother did, which is crazy to think because, you know, he's a one-and-done guy. But he, he's, he's a good player. So, you know, credit to him, Dawson Garcia, they're good players. Uh, hit some tough shots for sure. But, 
I think they were able to take advantage of our drop coverage. You know, they set a lot of uh, a lot of pull-up threes off the dribble. Um, you know, we definitely gave up a couple in transition to, uh, to Mitchell that weren't great. I mean, what they hit, like 14 threes or something crazy like that? 14 to 20, uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you shoot 14 to 20 from the line, it still lose, and <laughs> it means the other team also didn't miss. So, uh, you know, it was just a high-level offensive game last night, and uh, we were able to score more than them, I guess. I know you're an analytics guy. You like looking at Ken Palm. When you see 94th in defense now, like you said earlier in the year, top 10, and even for a large portion of those first month or two, you guys were in the top 20, it seemed like, top 25. Is that something that you know doesn't sit well with you, doesn't sit well with some guys in that locker room right now because you know you're you're better than that in terms of your abilities? Yeah, uh, I think it's definitely something that, I mean, we talk about it every day. So I'm not gonna lie, it's all we work at work at in practice anymore. We don't really do offense in practice, which is crazy to think. Uh, you know, it's all defensive in practice. So, um, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> I think it's important though. Like in metrics wise, I know there's there's stats out there that that you have to be top so and so or the last the last like national champ, the last 20 national champions since Ken Palm's been out have been within the top something on defense and I think that's something that you got to look at that's important because you know there's going to be games where the ball doesn't go in like uh you know like we have and we got to be able to guard Luke I know with you guys having a deep team we've seen you know Nico had a moment against Iowa and Amani's come on here of late and and there have been different guys in the mix in, in different games and I know on the flip side of that there, there's some times when a certain guy may not get the minutes that they would necessarily like. I know Quincy's uh, had some games where he's played bigger minutes and then sometimes not. And, and I, you were in that situation last night. How, how do you feel like you are hold, handling that, but also just the team? Because like I said, it's not just a, a, a specific thing with, with one individual. It's just kind of the nature of, of what this team can be. So as far as the focus and, and just knowing that it could be your night one night, but also other guys are in the mix too, and you guys have a lot of really good players. Yeah, I think it's just a testament to the hard work that you put in in practice. You know, every day you come in and work hard. Uh, Nico really impacted the game the other day. And, uh, you know, last night I was actually really surprised that I win the game because uh, two days ago uh, in practice I actually had a high ankle sprain. Uh, it was actually pretty bad too. I landed on someone's foot coming down and, you know, tried to practice the last couple of days, but definitely wasn't 100%. So um, going into the game, you know, I really wasn't expecting to play much now. So uh, I'm not feeling the best, got a little bit of a sickness, and they kind of knew that. So, um, you know, going into the game, I kind of had that mindset already. But just to stay ready and, you know, whatever, whether it was two minutes last night or 32 minutes, you know, I was going to be ready to go or none at all. You know, that's kind of the mindset that I had. But, um, you know, I've been trying to focus on getting healthy these last two, three days. Uh so, so that's been that. But, um, you know, the guys that, you know, like Nico and, and Amani and Dre that haven't seen consistent playing time this season, it's, like I said, every year there's always there's always games where, where you're going to need those guys to step up, uh, step up big in. And, you know, Nico was huge the other night um, coming in and playing against Iowa. And I think I think that's just uh, to be encouragement to the guys that don't get as many minutes that, you know, when your number's called, your time's called, you got to be ready to go. So do you got uh, a tub of ice on the foot, maybe Pedialyte in the in the glass? Man, How are you working this thing? It, yesterday was the longest day of my life. So I actually went to um, – I was walking to class right at 9.30 in the morning after. I, so I woke up at 7.30 to get treatment. So I, I had to get ready for the game, right? Sprained my ankle. 
was in uh, the training room, what was it, on Tuesday for five hours before practice, trying to get him ready for practice. And then uh, 7.30, I went in for treatment, and 9.30, I actually was walking to class, and I was taking so much because I was sick, and I went home. This was before the game, and I went home, and I fell asleep, right, like freezing cold and sweatshirt and everything, and I woke up, like, sweating. Like, my whole bed was, you know, and drenched in sweat and all this, and so I obviously had a fever, and it broke, which was great, but, uh, you know, that takes a lot out of you. I'm not going to lie. So I went to suit around pretty tired, and, uh, you know, everything on that day was focused to get ready for the game. So I was in the training room from then to shooting around until the beginning of the game. And, uh, you know, luckily I feel good, and I think it's just a cold. And it's just a little head cold. It's nothing crazy. Um, but I feel a lot better now. So it's just, you know, it's, it's the end of the season. Everybody's got something, and you just kind of got to get through it. Yeah, and uh, we'll only keep you a few more minutes unless you get back to, to resting up and getting ready. On that note, you got Wisconsin – Coming up this weekend, Saturday at the Kohl Center, usually one of the tougher places to play in the Big Ten. You've, you've played there before. Uh, or Were you back last year when you played at Wisconsin, or were you not back yet? I was not yet. Oh, okay, no. okay. So have you yeah. played there? I, yeah, I've, I've uh, definitely been a part of a couple games there that were pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You guys got a nice <laughs> little streak going against the Badgers. Six in a row, I believe, is what it is. Uh, what do you make of, of this, this game? The calendar turns to March tomorrow. You know it's on when it's March. So uh, how are you viewing that? How's the team viewing that? Yeah, I mean, right now these last three games are going to determine basically everything on seeding for the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, Northwestern got a huge win at, at Maryland without two of their top guys, and um, that's big for them in terms of getting that, that, that two seed and potentially the one seed, you know, barring Purdue, um, whatever they do. But, um, right now it's all about seeding, and that's just kind of what it comes down to. you got to win these games so you can get seeded well in the Big Ten tournament. Everybody wants that double bye, so you're going to uh, Minnesota on Friday, not going on Wednesday or, two, or Thursday. So, uh, you know, these games are super important to determine who we play in the tournament and then, uh, you know, also in the, in March Madness because these are, I think, I think the last three games are quad one games. So, yep. uh, you know, if we, if we can get out of these last three games with, you know, two or three wins, I think that's going to be huge for us. All right, last one for you, Luke. We'll end on a fun note. So I'm sure you've heard the NCAA football game is coming out this summer. Yeah. Did you play that growing up? And then uh, also I want to ask you, do they need to make a college hoops game? And, and would you be okay with the whatever's reported, I think the $600 in the copy of the game is the compensation to be in the game? Would that be good for you if there was like a college hoops 2K for next season? Yeah, I wouldn't even need the $600. <laughs> Just give me the free game. That's all I care about. I think that'd be sweet. Uh you know, I'm excited for that game. I definitely grew up playing college football uh, on the Wii. So they actually there had on go. the Wii back. Uh, yeah, I used to play that with my with my little brother, and I'm excited to play that again. That's gonna be that's gonna be pretty cool. That's gonna be the game that I, uh, you know, play a lot. I don't know when it's gonna come out. Do you know when it's coming out? I think it's in July or August. It's the summer for sure. Oh, Look at that, perfect. Right before the season starts, and you know, kind of when we have a little bit of downtime. Yeah, no foreign trip this year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So all of August, how about that? Uh, but no, they need to come out with a college basketball game for sure. I think that'd be sweet. Actually, like in 2K, people can make like rosters, college rosters and stuff. So I've actually played with myself on 2K before, mm -hmm. yeah. which is actually pretty cool. But uh, for it to be a, a legit college game, I think that'd be awesome. Would you juice up your rankings or would you just ride with the, uh, obviously the marksman ability is going to be there anyway, but you're going to make yourself like yeah, a 99 exactly. speed or something? I don't know if I would do something to rankings because, like, I'm really not that athletic, but <laughs> I'm going to take every shot. So I, I don't care how my teammates feel about me on the game. It doesn't matter on the game. Right, right. 
Good stuff, Luke, as always. Uh, rest up so you can get back to taking shots in the game, which I know you do obviously so well. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys in action on Saturday, and we'll uh, talk to you next week, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. Same to you as well, man, Luke. Uh, Luke Goody Show, our segment on this show, brought to you by Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend, First Federal Savings Bank, local and trusted, and by Max Twin City Recycling. That's great stuff with Luke Goody. I need some sleep. Yeah, where, was it Can you tell? Night? Oh, yeah. I think I pulled up to my house. It was after 1 o'clock. Those 8 p.m. tips. Oh, awful. Werner and I were on a live pod on YouTube till after midnight, and yeah. It comes with the territory. I'm not complaining. I got to sit courtside at a basketball game for work last night, but yeah, and it was a fun game to watch. It looked like the NBA All-Star game for I a little get while. To that, man. I want to get to that, man. My goodness. I want to get to that. We we got to break that down Minnesota, because I, there was some stat flying around that Minnesota had the best offensive game in their program's history, and they lose by eight. I mean, come on! I, if you're I, a Minnesota fan, how are you feeling this morning? I, I think you're sick because you know that quad one win. Look, they'd have to go on just a crazy run and maybe just flat out win the Big Ten tournament to get to the NCAA tournament. I, I think on the whole, you're probably encouraged because all five guys in that starting lineup could come back next year. Yeah, that's right. So they've definitely made progress. When we've kind of been clowning Ben Johnson for a while, at least I know that Jeremy Warner and I have been talking through the last year or two that, hey, he just seems completely over his head at Minnesota. They're not making any progress, which up until this season was the case. They look a lot better. Now, Illinois played a part in that. But, yeah, I know it was tweeted that during the Ken Palm era, which goes back to, I think, 99-2000, that this is the best offensive output that Minnesota's ever had. So to to shoot 14 for 20 from three, like Lou Goody mentioned, to go 60% from the field, score 97 points, and still lose, that's got to leave a bad taste in your mouth. But I still do think, like, hey, Cam Christie doing that, uh, to see the the transfers paying off with Hawkins having 12 dimes and no turnovers, Mike Mitchell shooting the three, obviously Dawson got, got his, and – I'd be excited if I were them about Pharrell Payne. Sophomore looks athletic and physical inside. Like that's uh that's a team that has some talent and I, I'm encouraged by the way that they've gotten better. Dare I say I'd be a little bit nervous still as a gopher fan that some of my players might be playing a little bit too well. It's true. And nowadays Maybe maybe they don't want to play at Minnesota. Maybe there's another team that's going to come calling to a guy like Cam Christie after a huge freshman year. I would be thinking the same thing, no doubt, as far as NIL. I'd wonder what they can drum up there uh, in terms of their NIL situation. They they need the buy-in, and that, that's, a, that's a hard thing, especially when you're not at a basketball power or uh, a program that, in terms of the athletic department, that's more geared towards football, I would imagine – that how much can you get when you actually do some things right, bring in the right pieces, but then you could lose them in the portal if you're not able to maintain that. Like, And then also, I mean, not saying it's going to happen, but the multi-transfer thing as of right now is thrown out the window in terms of the rules. Like this offseason, unless something changes as far as the legislation and, and there's an update on the, the temporary restraining order or, or whatever – was granted in court that anybody and everybody can hit the portal no matter how many times you transferred. I know that you'll have to be in line with some academic stuff as far as universities want to take you if you've 
bounced around a, a million times and and whatnot. I know Michigan is one school that hasn't been uh, super receptive to just any transfer given the circumstance. But yeah, I mean Dawson Garcia could leave again. He's already been at three different places: Marquette, North Carolina, Minnesota. That would be interesting for Minnesota too. Um, and then I know that everybody at the mid-major level is is in that that state of fear of a guy's yeah. too good, they're going to go somewhere else. It's crazy. I, one thing I do want to add here, and I'm sure we'll talk about the game later, but on the Illinois side of things last night, their defense is bad. I get it. 14-20 mm-hmm. from three for a road team is absurd. It's insane. It's absurd. They, they weren't very good defensively last night. I don't think they were give up 97 points on 60-70 90 shooting like they did that was and give credit to minnesota but a road team should not be making 70 percent of their threes on you rarely rarely happens i can't remember the last time a road team shot that well from distance this is an Illinois team that doesn't give up a lot of threes like that's how they're constructed now i will say cam christie coming off ball screen action where Illinois is playing drop and marcus damask is, is chasing over the top those guys see wide open space when they come off that screen. And so credit to him for knocking down those shots. Like in comparison to what Max Christie did in Champaign in his one game here against his home state school, he had six points. I mean, Cam Christie had that walking off the bus. Seriously. Like it was it was as soon as he was in, like he was he was burying threes and smooth stroke was barely even a lot of times even touching the rim. He was just all net and in rhythm. On on that note, though, that's where I think if I'm Illinois, I'm bothered by it. Or if I'm Brad Underwood, I'm bothered by it because you let someone like that get comfortable early in the game and they can then make tougher shots as things play out. And, and they just get that rhythm. They get that confidence. When I was watching Minnesota against Nebraska, I know one game sample sizes, it can be someone's night one night. They could be terrible a different night. This stuff can be inconsistent, but Nebraska really made Minnesota uncomfortable with their defense. And I talked earlier in the week about what Nebraska is doing defensively. They doubled Garcia first and foremost. They kind of got into Christie and, and sped him up. And it just, they were able to kind of impose their will on Minnesota, who only scored 55 in Lincoln. Illinois isn't that defense. They're, they're not making people uncomfortable. But I do agree with your original point. Minnesota hit some tough shots and just played really, really well offensively that it can't be all about Illinois on defense. The problem is the trend, right? It's the fact that we saw 90 from Penn State. We saw 80 from a bad offensive Maryland team, 88 from Michigan State, 97 from Minnesota. Like That's what teams are doing to Illinois. They've given up 85 points a game in February. So that's where, even if it is a situation where the other team is is tip your cap type of, type of deal, the problem is it's becoming a trend against Illinois. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. I I just think like some of the shots they're making paired with the fact that a team shoots 60% from the field, 70% from three, and Illinois was up 14 late in the second I know, half. I know. It's pretty incredible. It and is. I'm not no, saying, it is. I'm not saying that there should be zero concern moving forward about the defense. You're sitting 94th in the country right now. But this offense is historically good. It's historically good. Illinois can outscore anybody, and I think last night proved that for as many errors as there are defensively, as many holes as there are, Illinois is probably going to mask all those on offense, and, and that maybe it's not going to happen every single game. 
But to me, I've started to when, when you put up 105 and beat a team on that type of shooting night, part of me's starting to come around to the fact like, all right, this isn't a very good defensive team. Do they need to be to go on a big run? Because if you're just going to put up historic offensive performances, I think they've been over 80 points in their last nine games. Maybe you just outscore everybody and that's your formula. And I, it hasn't worked for a lot of teams in the past in terms of like going to win a national title or making a final four. But you can win two or three games just by saying, you know what, you're not going to guard us. And maybe yeah. we won't be able to guard you, but we're going to score more than you're going to score. And that's kind of the formula for Illinois right now. So part of me honestly came out of last night encouraged by the fact that Minnesota can put up a historically incredible offensive night the best one in the history of their program, and I didn't really sweat about Illinois winning the game. That's pretty incredible, and I think it does speak to the fact that this offense is insane. That is very fair on everything you said there. And, of course, it is the core question that comes out of last night is, is this formula something that can have sustained success in March? How much are we taking from what Illinois has done over the last month, both on the positive side, month, month and a half, in terms of offensively being elite, being the best in the country, the metrics say, and then defensively being a a turnstile uh, as far as what the numbers teams are putting up, and can you just flat out outscore people? And, and how much confidence does that give you going into the postseason? Can Illinois get where they need to go? Those type of things. I want to have that conversation because I think a lot of people got opinions. I want to hear it. 217-359-2255 on the U of I Atlanta Link text line. There's a number of different layers to it, of course, but like you said, Illinois is putting up a historical season offensively. They're in rare company. When you look at their analytics, they're better than one of the best teams Illinois has ever put in a uniform. I'll talk about that. Their scoring average is right up there against another team that is still talked about years and years and years later, but but defensively, they're in a category that you don't want to be in. So how do you how do you balance that? Where do you land on how much you trust Illinois, the current version of them right now? is I know it feels like after every game we come and say, how much is fixable defensively? Can they get to a, a level of, of being average on defense? I think that's another part of it too. Can Is that out the window now? Are we just saying, is it the reality that Illinois is going to be terrible defensively or just at, at the least subpar, but they're going to have to outscore people? How do you feel about that? 217-359-2255 on the U of I line on the text line. We'll talk about that. Break it all down next. This is The Drive. With the leaves and temperatures beginning to fall, it's time to make sure those furnaces are in great running order. Get that furnace tuned up so it doesn't let you down on the cold nights. Dogtown is the people's choice number one HVAC company again in 2023. Ask about the current 0% financing offer on all Lennox high comfort systems and single component units for qualifying applicants. The number is 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Make a difference in your community and start a rewarding career when you join the Regional Planning Commission Early Childhood Education Team. The RPC will be interviewing for open positions within the program during a hiring event Thursday, April 4th at 103 South Country Fair Drive in Champaign. The event runs from 9 a.m. to noon. Attendees are encouraged to bring their resumes and references. Don't miss this hiring event for the Early Childhood Education Program April 4th from 9 to noon at 103 South Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Learn more at ccrpc.org. From computer systems to Brex and tires too, at PDR, fixing cars is what they do. 
Remember, when you turn the key and the car won't run, call 367-9481 or use their dedicated text-only line at 383-0619. Additional information including repair quotes and online scheduling requests available from the website at pdrauto.com. Remember, they are what's best for your truck or car. They are PDR. Have you ever looked at a junk truck and said, man, that truck is pretty? Two men in a junk truck trucks are pretty. They're pretty big, so they can handle large jobs. They're pretty reliable. Two Men in a Truck has been recognized as a trusted leader in the moving industry for over 35 years. Now we are proud to offer that same reliability to junk removal. And they're pretty fast. When you're ready to let some things go and that you don't need, you don't want to wait three weeks. You want it gone now. Go to twomenandajunktruck.com and make room for what matters most. Introducing Logic Coworking, where productivity meets comfort. Elevate your work experience at the best co-worker facility in the area. With state-of-the-art amenities, high-speed internet, and a vibrant community, Logic Coworking is your ideal workplace. Enjoy flexible plans, ergonomic workspaces, and collaborative environments. Your perfect workspace is waiting for you because at Logic Coworking, they're not just co-workers, they're collaborators. Visit logic.work for details. Are you tired of shivering in the winter? Look no further than your local heroes at ABC Heating and Air Conditioning. Hi, this is Gina inviting you to give us a call at 217-352-5400 to book your appointment to make sure your furnace is running safely and efficiently this winter. We've been proudly locally owned and operated and have been serving our community for over 50 years. ABC, always be comfortable. Call me, 217-352-5400 to book your appointment today or go to abcheatingandac.com. Hi, this is Amanda Jean, the founder and planner of Inspire Your Wedding and Events. After the big yes, are you daydreaming about the big I do? Join us for premier, interactive, immersive, inspirational wedding showcase to bring together vendors and couples from all over central Illinois for your big day. Come away with ideas and vendors that will make your wedding one of the most inspiring days of your life. Save the date on Saturday, March 23rd at the historical and unforgettable Orpheum in downtown Champaign. For complete details, visit inspireyour.com. That's inspireyour.com. At Pards in Urbana, the boots just keep on coming. They're known for their huge collection of men's cowboy boots, women's cowgirl boots, kids' boots, and even shoes. If you're searching for top footwear brands, look no further than Pards. They carry a wide variety, including Ariat, Dan Post, Smoky Mountain, Roper, Double H, and more. And if socks or accessories are what you need, they've got all your high-quality essentials. Since 1968, Pards has been serving their customers with high-quality merchandise. And if you haven't been to Pards in a while, a lot has changed. Go check them out just off University Avenue in Urbana. How many college games you see with 200 points? Ben's done a great job. I knew they were very good. They're playing like a top 25 team, and they cause you a lot of problems. I thought Elijah Hawkins was absolutely special today. 12 assists, no turnovers. He didn't have to score. You know, I thought Terrence did a pretty good job on him in the first half. Then, you know, we kind of flipped Terrence over to to Cam and and yeah they were they were they were going Cam's my opinion it's what that's what they look like it's what a pro looks like uh, I think there's very few guys in college basketball who can shoot off the bounce I think they told me they had nine of their threes were off the bounce that's very hard for college players to do it's very rare very unique Cam was terrific he was he was terrific uh, you know Dawson's obviously McDonald's all American a veteran I thought we strung together enough stops late we found something we literally ran one play the last 12 minutes you didn't have to be over create overly creative 
it's nice to have guys make shots. It's nice to have layups and, and fouls. And that's what Booty Bowl does, is creates those. We felt like they had matchup issues with us. And we were just able to, to kind of exploit that. Marcus was terrific. And be very remiss if I didn't talk about Dane and his, his performance. We were starting to get a little more comfortable with Dane in our booty ball action, where there's space and him creating opportunities to, to move around where, he's, where he doesn't get in the way. He was terrific tonight and gave us a, a real physical presence against Payne, who's, who's obviously a very good player. Back on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Brad Underwood, you heard there after last night's 105-97 win against Minnesota. A lot of just glaring statistics on the positive side offensively, but some real stinkers in terms of defensively. I want to get into all that, try to balance it out, try to come up with a an opinion we feel decent about, although that's the thing I wrote about today. It's hard to try to make sense of it all because it's two contrasting extremes of this is maybe the best offensive team. The The metrics say it's even better, I said, points for possession-wise than the 2004-05 Illini, which is just a ridiculous, ridiculously elite company because you're talking about Darren Williams, a lotto pick, really good off the dribble, big body guard, Luther Head shooting a, a great percentage from three, D Brown in transition, just the the flow and connectivity that team had offensively, it, it was something to that get, has been talked about ever since, and still to this day, or nearly twenty years later, just discussing like the way that they moved the ball, the way they made the extra pass, the way they could hurt you from all five spots, the way they could run. That just there was no real weakness in that team offensively, and yet Illinois this year, according to Ken Palm, adjusted points per possession and offensive efficiency has a higher ranking than what that team had in 0405. And I was digging through the stats to try to see what's the difference between those two teams. And the biggest thing that stands out as far as the metrics is that this team gets to the free throw line at a much higher rate. And of course, Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to play into that. And I think just in general, you know, if you got Marcus Damask in the booty ball, you got to foul him if you're a smaller matchup. So uh, I know that, that rules have changed through the years, that there's some more stuff that, that leans towards the offensive, the offense's advantage when you think about the block charge and, and some of the arm bar stuff and the, the cylinder and, and whatnot. So and I'm not trying to make excuses and, and, and try to slant it back the other way, but just, again, flat out, the metric says, the number says, this team has been more efficient than 0405. So... How, Kyle, how do you digest that? Uh, just thought of as one of the best teams to never win a title. Obviously, one of the best teams in Illinois program history. I wasn't uh, very old when that team was playing basketball, so <laughs> I don't really have the reference point that you might or some other people might in terms of comparing the two. But all I can speak on is this year's team, and it just does feel like there's an unstoppability to this three-headed monster that Illinois has, which – in some ways, you can relate back to that 05 team in terms right. of having three electric offensive players that were incredibly hard to match up with. And obviously, this trio that Illinois has is much, much different. But it 
there's always going to be a mismatch on the floor. I think that's what Illinois found out pretty early in the season. Pretty much any team that you're going to match up with, especially in the Big Ten, but really you look throughout the country with the pieces that Illinois has in their lineup with Shannon, with Damask, with Coleman, even with some of the complimentary guys like Ty and Quincy, there's always going to be a mismatch to exploit in this lineup. And that's really what Illinois has has utilized. And it just feels like there's three guys that can go off for 25 points every single night. And I truly have been thinking about it recently. How many trios offensively in the country would you take over Terrence Shannon, Marcus Damask, and Coleman Hawkins? I think there's a very short list there. It's a good question. Where maybe you look at UConn's top three guys – I know North Carolina's top three yep. with Davis, Baycott, and Harrison Ingram are good. Yep. But, like, even Purdue, they don't have a third guy. They got two. They got two really good players. They don't have a third. E.D. Smith, and would the third be Lance, Lance Jones? Jones? I think That's Lance a good Jones question. Hey, Duke, I don't think. Kentucky, I guess, has three NBA guys in their lineup. But sure. the point being is that's really what it comes down to is you got three probably top 10 players in this conference and three guys that I think have all on different nights been a guy that's carried you and been a mismatch that Illinois exploited. And that's what really has made this team unstoppable. And add that to the fact that Terrence Shannon Jr. is maybe one of the three best players in the country when mm-hmm. he's on. And uh, it's a recipe for a pretty unstoppable offense. And I think they've just gotten better and better as the season's gone on. And now we sit here with March tomorrow and they just put up 105 points on a team who's been pretty darn solid this year. Right. So I, it's it's pretty – it's incredible. This offense is incredible. And that's really – the storyline for me with this team right now is that there's plenty of defensive concerns. I think defensively their struggles are going to cap their ceiling. The fact that they're 94th in the country defensively is what's holding them back from being a team that I think can win the national championship. Yep. However, with how lethal the offense is, I think they can beat anybody they play, and I don't think very many teams would want to see them in a matchup. And so that's kind of how I see it right now. I agree with that as well. You look at the offensive numbers in comparison to another all-time great Illini team, Illinois is putting up 85 points per game. That would be the highest scoring Illinois squad since the flying Illini, 88-89, that averaged – 86.5 points per game. Terrence Shannon is on the season averaging 22 points a game. Yes, higher than Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn, who are both in that 20 to 21 points per game type of range. If he finished at this mark, he'd be the highest scoring Illini in a single season in more than 50 years. You have to go back to Nick Weatherspoon in the early 70s, who averaged, I believe, 25 points a game. And over the last six, we've really seen another level of Shannon. He's at 29 points a night, 49% from the field over his last six games. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's that unstoppable force who people just can't contain in the open court. We know that when he's shooting threes, it's just an, an entirely different story because then you just can't guard him. You can't guard him if he's making jumpers because you already know he's going to the free throw line probably double-digit times. And if there's a, an opportunity in transition, if you get in his way, you're going to foul him. It's going to be a foul. Uh, especially with fewer and fewer charges being called. And he's just that much of a monster where he's got that seed, that speed and size. I almost call it seed because it's uh, this, the combination of size and speed that is just elite. So, uh, And then also, I mean, Coleman Hawkins, how many times we've sat on 
this radio show or just in general, if you're talking to one of my basketball and said, what if this guy could be consistent? What if this guy could put together a, a track record that you could actually rely on? I know that you had the Penn State game, but I think it's 16 in the last 20 or something something like that where he scored in double figures. And to, to bounce back with 30 against Iowa, 20 last night, shoot 41% from three in Big Ten play, that's a guy that is digging into that reliability that he's someone that you can be in, in that in that trio, that big three trio that you can really lean on. So and off the dribble stuff, I think that he can dribble himself into trouble at times, but there have been some nice moments of taking some guys off the dribble like Cricky uh, last night uh, against Minnesota as well. And Damask, oh, by the way, like 18 points per game in Big Ten play. And that's just – and you run so much offense through him. So, like you said, it's it's been amazing what they've constructed offensively, oh, by the way, without a true point guard. Mm-hmm. And they just have a size advantage at pretty much – at different positions that, that puts you in such a bind, especially – I know that Illinois struggles to guard backcourt players and some smaller guards in particular, but the trade-off is they then have to guard you at the other end. So – Brad Underwood once had the number one offense in the country at Oklahoma State. He now has the number three offense in the country here. and It would be the number one offense in the country 20 of the last 24 seasons. Is that right? Too, Man. Which is pretty incredible. That goes to show you how incredible Alabama and Purdue's offenses have also been this year. True. Who are the only two ahead of Illinois. But True. Most years, this would be the best offense in the country. Unbelievable. So let's get to it. Here, here's where I'm at. So, okay, the offense is just off the charts. I agree with you. They're dangerous for any team to see. You could put any name on that line. UConn plays Illinois. I'm not saying Illinois is going to win because I would really, really worry about them guarding UConn. Yes. Uh, but I think that UConn would see Illinois and probably not want to play Terrence Shannon because he's one of those guys I would not want to see in the tournament. And then just knowing that they could, they could score with you punch for punch in a situation. So that applies to just any team. I agree with you. I just think about, like, from our perspective, we always talk about how, oh, we don't want to see this team. Please don't give us this team when we look at the draws. If I'm another team, whether it's a one seed or whether it's another four or five seed, and I'm looking down the list of fours and fives, who could we possibly match up with? I'm begging not to see a team with Terrence Shannon and a team that is one of the best offenses in the country. That's that's how I'd feel as an opposing team. I Yeah, and I I think that... That offensive punch gives you a high upside. Now, the floor or just the the cap of the ceiling, I agree, if this if this defense doesn't change, is going to be something that they're going to fight against the rest of the way, and it could potentially mean an early exit in March yet again because some of the comps, they're, the Miami comp, of course, is on the positive side, a team that's phenomenal offensively, doesn't really stop people, but they just outscored Indiana, they put 85 on them in the the round of 32. Then they put 89 on Houston. We know how good they are year in and year out defensively. Then they played Texas in the Elite Eight, and they scored 88 and get to the Final Four, and they gave UConn the best shot of anybody. I know they ended up losing by double digits anyway, but that is an example of what Illinois could do in the tournament. There are other examples that are less encouraging, like the Iowa team with Garza and Wieskamp and Bohannon that – were as good as anybody and lighten up a scoreboard, but 
they didn't get stops and they lost in the second round because Oregon scored 95 on them. Or you look at Baylor last year. I know metrics wise, Illinois lines up similarly to them. Great offense, defense that's hovering around that 100 range. They lost in the second round to Creighton because Creighton put 85 on them and they didn't. Uh, they weren't able to score at that elite clip as well. So, look, you're you're going to talk about anybody outside of that top three range, and you're going to probably be able to poke holes in them. Like if this happens, they'll lose. If it, and this is their weak spot and whatnot. So you're going to get into that, but it is just kind of crazy that it's it's that dramatic for Illinois offense versus defense. Yeah, and again, I just think there's a certain group of teams in the country that you look at and you say that team can win a national championship. I think that team absolutely can win six games in a row in the NCAA tournament. I don't think Illinois is there and they're probably not going to get there because you got a limited amount of time here. March 1st is tomorrow. With that said though, I, I just, you have an elite unit on the court and I think that can win you enough and I don't know I just it's going to depend on a matchup too like if you get a team that plays really slow and can draw Illinois into this slower pace game and take them out of what what they want to do an elite defensive team that maybe can hold down some Illinois pieces yeah I get a lot more worried about that matchup but if I just see another team that's like a a team that's going to try to outscore Illinois, I feel pretty good Illinois is going to win that battle. So I think there's also a matchup aspect to Illinois right now too where there's going to be certain matchups that I'm much more worried about. But I don't know. And and all that said, I still would like some defensive improvement here in the last three regular season games. I don't know if that's going to come. I'm not saying that, that we have to accept that they're going to just give up 97 points on a consistent basis and hope to win games, but... I don't know. I just I found myself last night watching that game like, my goodness. I think Illinois has been getting cooked defensively for most of this game. Minnesota's shooting out of their minds, and Illinois is going to comfortably take care of this win. And it, we're on a string of games now where Illinois has been in the 80s and the 90s. And, yeah, the Big Ten's a little bit down, but you look at some of the defensive they've done it against. Maryland's top 10 defensively in the country, 85 points on the road. Rutgers, he put up 86 against. I think they're number two in the country defensively. I'm very curious to see what that Purdue game looks like here next week because that's a team I think when you're talking about a measuring stick game of where you're at compared to a true national title contender, Purdue coming here I think will will test the theory of, hey, can you just outscore anybody and get by? Because I think Purdue could score. Purdue's one of the two teams that's above you offensively in the country. So that's going to be a test for sure. But I don't know. I just – I weirdly was left more confident last night after giving up 97 because I just have marveled at how unstoppable this offense has become right now. And I think it gives yourself a ceiling that you can have some hope there that, you know, we're never out of any game and uh, you can probably score on anybody. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I, I think I'm glad you brought that up as far as obviously the Purdue game would be an elite quad one type of opportunity and just to square up with, a one seed type of squad that is in, in a, the top tier of college basketball. That's one thing as I've been thinking and, and going through, spending a lot of time looking at the metrics and looking at Illinois' resume and all this type of stuff. And since Shannon has been back, I've been using that as, as kind of a baseline to look at these these metrics as you know, they're first in the country in offense since that's happened. They're 202nd in defense. One thing I don't love, I guess, when I'm going through 202nd? 202nd since oh, Shannon's been my. back. In the month of February, they're 269th. 
Are you serious? There's not a tournament team, an at-large projected tournament team, that's been worse than Illinois on defense during either of those spans. I might have to take what I said back. I'm two, just saying. 269 like, is a little bit much. In February, they're 269th in defense. Oh, boy. Yeah, that, that's got to that's gotta rise a little bit in a little next bit, couple of weeks. A I little bit. Say. And, and another thing about that is, like, they haven't – had a lot of opportunities against NCAA tournament teams of late. Yep. But there's still something to be said. Like, so they played 11 games with Shannon. Three of those have been against tournament teams as a projected right now. They went one and two. They lost at Northwestern. Not that that's a bad loss. You got out, outgunned in that one. Boo Booey and company were able to outscore you. Michigan State put 88 up on you. Illinois, though, was in control late, just didn't close. And your one win was at home against Nebraska, a projected nine seed right now. And, of course, that was tight. You had some late game issues, and Tominaga went for 30, but you are able to win that game. So I will say, though, that's a team you mentioned. They've been number really well. one in the country defensively the last month, and Illinois scored pretty effortlessly on them as well. They did. They definitely did. So I, I want to see this team against some better competition. I would really like to see what it looks like, even though Wisconsin's been slipping of late. I think that's, you know, you're looking at a five or a six seed as of right now. Could they play themselves themselves down farther? Yes. But Purdue for sure. Iowa, not a tournament team right now. We know they're elite offensively. But just in general, I think that's one thing that's kind of lacked in the Big Ten slate on the whole is not having those opportunities. All of those measuring stick games that, maybe you would have had in a previous year. But then again, the Big Ten's not alone in that. The ACC is really top-heavy. And outside of the Big 12, I know the SEC has a handful of teams, but then you got some like Arkansas's having a horrible year and whatnot. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because this team is so different from the games they played against Marquette and Tennessee and even FAU. Now, FAU, they kind of followed the blueprint they've been following here recently. But this team just looks so different. Like you look back to right after they played that Tennessee game and they're in the forties and offense and they're hovering around the top 10 defensively. And then, mm-hmm. so I, I don't really take much stock into those games, even though both those games are losses. And then you only get one game against any type of national contender in the big 10. And so far you did it without Terrence Shannon. So how much can you judge there either? And that was early, too. You're a lot different right. from that game. So right. Uh, you're right. I'm very interested to see, more so than obviously just the opportunity and the magnitude of the game being here, I'm just excited to see what what does Illinois look like here. It, it will be really telling. Purdue comes to your building on Tuesday night, and that's a Purdue team that absolutely is in the group of teams that can win a national championship. Yep. And is in the very small group. There's only two teams that have been better offensively than you this year. So you can't go into that game expecting, well, we'll just outscore them. All good. Especially with Zach Eady on the floor, who the way you've defended the interior probably is licking his chops, looking for a career high. Uh, Point being, I'm excited to see. I think that'll be very telling about how if Purdue comes in here and it looks completely different and all of a sudden they find a way to slow Illinois down and – they come in and make easy work of you in your home building, I think maybe you do reevaluate some things. But I expect that that's going to be a, a high-scoring, high-paced game yep. between two teams that are pretty darn good. And so I, I, I'm excited to see where that puts Illinois in the bigger picture of things because you're absolutely right. We haven't gotten really a, a litmus test like that for two months. And, and even then, 
you had the whole Shannon situation. So it's going to be big time. Can you imagine what that building's going to be like if it's a a rerun or just another phase of what Creighton did to UConn when UConn went into Omaha? That would be <laughs> one of the best things I've ever seen, truly, if we could have that. Sign me up. What'd they make? 13 or 14 threes that night? Not saying no one has to do it from three, but they just pummeled the number one team in the country that night. I know. A lot, some of these top teams have just gone on the road and Got gotten killed. blown out. Yeah. They definitely have. As we go along, I want to hear and get to some of your texts. I know we had a handful of you guys weigh in as far as current thoughts on Illinois with this top-notch offense, with this lackluster defense, how you're feeling, what needs to change, can it change, We'll get to all that as we go along. We'll also pray some more Brad Underwood from last night talking about the 105-97 win against Minnesota. Stick with us for that. This is The Drive.